So that was pretty up-tempo, wasn't it? Bet you're glad you had some uh, coffee and cake beforehand. Get you ready. It's good, actually, because the message I have for you tonight uh, is, is pretty upbeat, to be honest. So I think that sets the tone quite nicely. Uh, and I'm hoping that, that after I finish, we'll have a bit of opportunity to respond to it. So let me get, get straight into it. I'm going to re- read from Ezekiel 37. And hopefully you're familiar with the story. It goes something like this. The Lord took hold of me, is the New Living Translation, if you're looking it up on your phone. Uh, The Lord uh, took hold of me and I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. He led me all around among the bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground and were completely dried out. Then he asked me, Son of man, can these bones become living people again? O sovereign Lord, I replied, you alone know the answer to that. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I'm going to put breath into you and make you live again. I will put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I spoke this message just as he told me. Suddenly, as I spoke, there was a rattling noise all across the valley. The bones of each body came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. Then I watched muscles and flesh formed over the bones. Then skin formed to cover their bones. But still, they had no breath in them. So, the historical background to this is, uh, we're talking around 600 BC, uh, just after that. uh, And the Jews are in exile. Ezekiel was was a priest in Jerusalem, and about 10,000 Jews were carried off into exile in uh, Babylon by King Nebuchadnezzar. Initially, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar placed a a puppet Jewish king on the throne, but eventually he too rebelled and they besieged Jerusalem. And then as you read through Ezekiel, actually the first 24 verses, uh, uh, chapters, are prophecies of the destruction of Jerusalem. And I believe that was around sort of 597 BC, Jerusalem was laid, laid seized, the temple was destroyed, and the house, the, the, the reign of the dynasty of the house of, of David, as, as they knew it, uh, finished. It was over. And then the second half of Ezekiel, chapter 25 through 48, is a message, prophecies of hope and restoration. And what we find as we read this book is, is a repeated pattern. In fact, we see it all through the Old Testament, particularly through the Old Testament prophets. And, and the pattern is this, that, that the, the status of, of the Israelite people, whether that be uh, military or, or political or national, the status um, could, could be paralleled with their spiritual condition. And so what we find at this moment in Ezekiel 37, as, as Israel is in exile, as God likens them to to a valley of dry bones. 
They are essentially spiritually dead and spiritually dry and lost. They're like a valley of dry bones. Just press pause for a second. Let let me ask this question. Does life to you ever seem like a bag of dry bones? That the life seems to have been squeezed out of it. It's, it's dry, it, it's dull, it's passionless. You find yourself lacking hope and inspiration and motivation. In essence, you're, you're in serious need of revival. Revival comes to a little French word, revivre, it's like my accent, which means, means that life comes back again, bringing them back to life. Do we ever feel as though we need to be brought back to life again. Let's think about, about church for a second. You know, church should be a dynamic army, fresh and fit, fighting. But does church ever feel more like a bag of dry bones? That the life has drained out of it. That the, the services have become flat, the ministries are tired and repetitive, the good old days seem a distant memory. So the question becomes, what do we do if church is in serious need of revival? Well, let's, let's look at Ezekiel's prophetic dream. He's shown here by the Lord as he's carried off in a vision, he's shown a valley that is full of dead, lifeless, dry bones. And then God asks him a big question. He says, can these bones live? Can they come back to life? Can they be revived? Can they be made alive again? Ezekiel's a smart guy, and he gives an instinctive answer. He says, God, sovereign Lord, you you alone know. Smart answer. And then God gives a charge to Ezekiel. And he says this, he says, prophesy to these bones. Prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. It's an incredibly loaded statement. We're going to unfold that a little bit this evening. And then God explains to Ezekiel what he will do if Ezekiel were to do just that, prophesy the word of the Lord to these bones. Verse 5 says, This is what the Sovereign Lord says, Look, I'm going to put breath into you and make you live again. I will put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin, and I will put breath into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. And then you can imagine in this prophetic dream, it's almost as though... Ezekiel can start to hear the rattling of them bones. He can start to see the limbs being reattached. He can start to see flesh and skin being placed on these bones again. But it says at the bottom of verse 9, it says, But they still had no breath. And so we come to the second half of the vision, verse 9. Then he said to them, Speak a prophetic message to the winds, son of man. 
Speak a prophetic message and say, this is what the Sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath, from the four winds. Breathe into these dead bodies so they may live again. So in the first half, Ezekiel is told to prophesy to the bones. Now he's told to prophesy to the wind. Now if you've been around Scripture for any length of time, you'll, you'll, you'll understand that, that there's a clear metaphor here. And when we use the words wind and breath and spirit, most often in both the Hebrew and the Greek, it's, it's the one and same word. You'll find the word ruach many times through this. If you look in different translations, you will see the words wind and breath and spirit all within this little tiny section. Verse 10, so I spoke the messages he commanded me and breath came into their bodies. They all came to life and stood on their feet, a great army. And then in the last little section here, God interprets the dream and gives Ezekiel the application. Verse 11, then he said to me, son of man, these bones represent the people of Israel. They are saying we've become old dry bones. All hope is gone. Our nation is finished. Therefore prophesy to them and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Oh my people, I will open your graves of exile and cause you to rise again. Then I will bring you back to the land of Israel. When this happens, oh my people, you will know that I am the Lord. I will put my spirit in you and you will live again and return home to your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done what I said. Yes, the Lord has spoken. Great story. As, as you know, uh, this is Old Testament. This is Old Covenant. And you know what? Many times, Old, Old Testament prophetic narrative, which is what this is, is a foretaste of kingdom reality. And we know, uh, the good news is that we live under the New Covenant. A New Covenant founded on better promises. So we live not as they did, and under anticipation of messianic intervention. We live under fullness of resurrection life. We live with, with the full revelation of the Word of God and the Pentecost outpouring of the Spirit of God. And for me, when I read this passage, it's a, it's a compelling revelation of the power of word and spirit. And so, as Ezekiel here was, was exhorted to prophesy to the dry bones, so we, as God's people, have delegated kingdom authority to prophesy God's word to our dry bones. And just as Ezekiel was invited to, to ask the Holy Spirit to breathe life into that dead flesh, so we can call upon that, that very breath to bring life to everything and anything that we do. So here's the principle. The principle is to bring dead things back to life. We must prophesy to the bones and we must prophesy to the wind. You know, there is reviving power in the promises of Scripture. There is reviving power in the anointing of the Holy Spirit. If we want life, 
if we want fullness, if we want revival, our task becomes to speak out his word and to open the door wide to his spirit. Okay, so, folks, what are your dry bones? I'd like us to consider this in two contexts. I'd like us to consider this in an individual, personal context, and I'd like us to consider this in a collective, corporate context. So, so, so I could ask you like this, what around you is dead and dying? And then I could say, what around, around here, your church context, what around here is dead and dying? Where are your dry bones? Let, let me ask about your, your spiritual life. Is your spiritual life buoyant? Or is it on life support? What about your mental health? Are you hopeful or lifeless? Are you at peace or are you stressed to the max? What about your relationships? Talking, talking your dry bones. Where in your relationships do you need divine intervention? What about your hopes and dreams? Are your hopes and dreams alive or are they dead? Are they near or are they far? What, what about our churches? Let me ask this. Is the lobby on a Sunday morning a buzz with anticipation and expectation? Because it should be. Are our ministries healthy? Is our worship and our prayer flourishing? Is our praise vibrant and joyful? Or is it flat as a pancake? What about our outreach programs? Are they dead or are they alive? What are your dry bones? And then the second question that spins off from that is, what then are you prophesying over your dry bones? And I'd like to to lay before you an idea. And the idea is this. When you are thinking about those dry bones, whatever they may be, wherever they, whatever they are, instead of overanalyzing round and round, instead of criticizing and judging, instead of lamenting, how about we bombard those dry bones with prophetic prayers filled with heaven's promises? There's a, a line that I use quite often out of Mark 11.23, which, which is this. Don't, Mark 11.23, which is that great faith verse about moving mountains. And the line goes this. Do not speak about your mountains. Why not try speaking to your mountains? And that's what that passage in Mark 11 talks about. If you will say to this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea And so on. It's not about talking about, oh, woe is me, the mountain. How big is my mountain? How scary is my mountain? How many are my mountains? We get to speak to the mountain and say, be thou removed. Okay, let me me tweet this into this passage and say, instead of speaking about your dry bones, maybe it's time to speak to your dry bones. Maybe it's time to prophesy to your dry bones, son of man. So here's the fact. Your words are prophesying something 
over your future. You know, your, your words and your prayers, at least in part, are framing your future. And it could be that over your dry bones, you are speaking doom and gloom. And woe is me. It could be that you're perpetually speaking fear and doubt and frustration and despair. Or you can flip that on its head and say, do you know what, I'll tell you what I'm going to prophesy to my dry bones. I'm going to prophesy faith, hope and love. I'm going to prophesy Bible promises. I'm going to prophesy new creation reality. I'm going to prophesy life and health and wholeness. And the reality is, each one of us gets to choose what we will prophesy over our dry bones. To break that down a bit, let me just give you two quick principles. Any place we could go with this. Number one, principle number one is that words are seeds. And principle number two, which I just love, is this. It's very simple. If you know the seed you've planted, you know the harvest you're going to get. Okay, is that straightforward enough for you? Okay, there's a logic in there. So, so let's look at that. First of all, words are, are seeds. You've heard of the law of Genesis. The law of Genesis is, is that a seed reproduces over its own kind. The law of Genesis means that if I plant a tomato seed, then lo and behold, if I, if I do it right, I'm going to get a tomato crop. I can't expect to lay carrot seeds and get potatoes. I can't expect to lead orange seeds and get a banana tree. You know what I mean. That's the law of Genesis. And when it comes to our words, one day, the words, that, the word seeds that you plant, one day, they're going to grow into honking great plants. That's the law of Genesis. That's the way it works. Which means we need to choose very wisely what we are going to prophesy over our dry bones. Proverbs 18.21 says, The tongue can bring death or life. The tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. Death or life. Deuteronomy 30 verse 19. Today I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life, that you and your descendants might live. Which leads to the question, are you prophesying life? Are you prophesying death? I mean, it wouldn't have been much of a story in Ezekiel 37 if Ezekiel had continued to prophesy death over bones that were already dead. Are you prophesying life or death? Are you sowing blessing or cursing? Are you sowing faith or fear, hope or despair, encouragement or discouragement, love or hate, unity or discord? Are you prophesying the power of God or something else? Because guess what? Those seeds are going to produce something because words are seeds. And the second principle, if, if you know the seed you've planted, then you know the harvest you're going to get. This is, this is how a farmer sleeps at night. I'm sure they don't get much sleep, but 
that what they get is good. So I've, I've got a picture here. We're fed up with the dead bones. Sorry, no dog in it. This is, this is my dog walk. And, and my dog walk has been massively taken over by a, a maize corn plant crop. You know, these things are, are six feet high. They're incredibly imposing. And they go on for acres and acres and acres. Very, very impressive. Not great, if I'm honest, for dogs. They've got a better sense of direction than me. They rush into those things and they always seem to come out the right way. But you know, it's a fantastic illustration of that principle. Because several months ago, that farmer scattered that seed on that soil and lo and behold, he has got that crop exactly. If you know the seed you've planted, you know the harvest you're going to get. Isaiah 55, verse 10 says, As the rain and snow come down from heaven, and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. This is the Lord speaking. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. You know, God is saying the seed of his word will not return to him until it has produced fruit. He's saying that 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 seed has to produce fruit because it's the word of God. You know, we read in Hebrews 4 verse 12 that the word of God is alive and active. It's quick and powerful. Ephesians 6, 17 describes the word as being like a double-edged sword. John 6, 63 says the words that I've spoken are spirit and they are life. They, they contain this inherent power. All of heaven's resources back up every one of God's promises. And thirdly, that, that seed places a demand on the soil to produce a harvest and that demand has to be met. In other words, when the seed that you plant is God's word, you can trust with 100% certainty that that seed will grow and produce exactly its corresponding fruit. And so the moral of all that is this. Of the choices available to you, let God's word be the thing that is prophesying, predicting your future. And we say that again. The moral of the choices available to you. Oh, woe is me, doom and gloom. Of the choice available, let God's word be the thing that is predicting your future. Now, when, when I prepare a message, you, you guys get about 35 minutes, if you're lucky. If you're unlucky, it's 45. I get seven days, or, or sometimes seven weeks, depending on how long it takes me to prepare something. So this has been on my heart all week. I've also just spent a month, uh, I love to highlight my Bible, Becky would like that, and I've just finished the Psalms, the sees all colourful, I'm now on, on the book of Proverbs, which I love. But you know what? Something's been nagging away at me. The Lord's been showing me, teaching me something as I've worked my way through the Psalms and brought it back to my attention as I prepared this message. And for me, it's a bit of a new prayer habit. 
And the new prayer habit, uh, it, there's nothing new under the sun, right? But the new prayer habit is, is to pray like the Psalms. Now, this is not the case of every psalm, but, but in, in quite a few of them, and particularly the Davidic ones, I think, there's a pattern and, and there's a journey that, that each psalm goes through. And it normally starts something like this. Woe is me. You know, often you read, I mean, sometimes it doesn't work like this, but often you read it, woe is me. You know, David's saying, they're chasing me, they're hunting me down, I'm backed up in a cave, I'm toast, I'm dead, help. So often the start is, woe is me, that's the dry bones, I guess. And then, after two or three verses, a bit of a flick switches, and David kind of slaps himself around the chops, and he says, I says, but, I must remember that God is good. I must remember what God has said. I must remember that God is seated upon the throne. And you can see the light going on. And then what happens two or three verses later, many times, is David then starts prophesying out. And he starts saying, this is what the Lord says. Here's the pattern. Woe is me. Number one. Number two, remember that the Lord is good. And number three, hey, in the light of all that, this is what the Lord says. And David starts to prophesy this wonderful, rich prophecy in the book of Psalms. Do you know what? That, that's a great principle. And I'm learning to pray like that. Woe is me. God is good. This is what the Lord says. But do you know what? We have an advantage. You know what our advantage is? We already know what the Lord has said. And you know, therefore, we can prophesy over our dry bones with huge confidence. I'm going to give you a couple of examples, if you like, and, and it'll see how carried away I get. It is example number one. This is a personal one. Example number two will be a corporate one. Okay? Example number one. Lord, I'm struggling here. I'm not sure what's around the next corner. I'm not convinced I'll make it. I'm not confident. I can do it. But number two, but you are good. And you are on the throne of heaven and you are on the throne of my life. And your love is unfailing, your power is unlimited and your grace is sufficient. So dry bones. This is what the Lord says. So dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. My God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Still in Psalm 23, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Romans chapter 8, in all things I am more than a conqueror. Hear that dry bones. In all things I am more than a conqueror. I have been blessed, Ephesians 1, I have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Romans 8 still, nothing dry bones, nothing can separate me from the love of God. And a bit of Deuteronomy 28, because I am blessed going in and I'm blessed coming out. I'm above and not below. I am the head and not the tail. 
Take that, dry bones. Here's example number two. Example number two, world, the world is broken. And so many people are lost. And, and the church, to be honest, is barely scratching the surface. But God, you are good. And I know how much you love this world. And I know that the church, which is your body, is empowered to bring light into dark places. So dry bones. Hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord says. Acts 2 verse 17. It shall come to pass in the last days, says the Lord, that I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. And it shall come to pass, verse 21, that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How about prophesying this over our dry bones? Isaiah 60, verse 1, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. And a great thing to prophesy over your church. Scripture, folks. Verse 2, See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the people, but... The Lord rises upon you and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Let's prophesy that over Parliament this week, shall we, folks? Ephesians 3, verse 20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work in others, to him be glory in the church. God, let there be glory, your glory, in the church. Lord, I'm aware that you're able to do immeasurably more than I can ask, think and imagine. And I can ask, think and imagine quite big. But I know that you can do so much more than that. Come do it, Lord. It's the scriptures, how Paul taught us to pray for the church. Romans 16, 20 says, The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Matthew 16, verse 18. On this rock I will build my church and the gate of hell will not prevail it. Hear this, dry bones. Hear this, dry bones. The, the Satan's under our feet. Hear this, dry bones. The Lord has promised to build his church and the gate, not even the gates of hell will be able to stand against it. So, so see how that pattern works. And try it. Try it when you're walking in the cornfields uh, tomorrow morning with your dogs. Or maybe that's just me. You know, just say, you know, God, woe is me. There's, there's often starts with the woe is me. It starts with a mountain. It starts with dry bones. And then stop and remind yourself who God is and what he's said and what he's done and who we are. And then start to prophesy to those dry bones. Start prophesying life. Start prophesying health. Start prophesying blessing over those dry bones. So, Swings us back round to the second of my two questions. Number one was, what are your dry bones? Number two is, what are you prophesying over your dry bones? And do you know what? I wonder, for some of you, as it has been for me, as I've worked my way through this, is it time to change your tune? Is it time to change what you have been prophesying? Remember that the crop that you've received up till now, has been the product of the seed that you have been sowing up until now. 
Maybe it's time to change your tune. Maybe it's time to change what you've been prophesying. Because here's the danger. The danger is wittingly or unwittingly we spend all our energy sowing the wrong seeds. And then when it all goes pear-shaped, we desperately pray for crop failure. (laughs) Kind of breaks the principle. Let me ask this. What promises do you want to be determining your future? You've got a Bible full of them, folks. What seed do you need to sow starting now to prepare the ground for that preferred future? What seed do you need to be sowing? I have, I have um, personal examples here. Uh, one of them is, is that my oldest Ollie, 15, has just started his GCSE year. Folks, that is the definition of a valley of dry bones. I can guarantee you. We had meltdown this morning at the woe is me moment about what is the fifth foot out to before me. I got nine months. I got nine months to speak to those dry bones as I walked through the cornfields. And I got a choice right now of whether I prophesy life or death. Blessing or cursing over Ollie and his academic future. This is a timely warning for me, a timely reminder for me. The words that I speak, the prayers that I pray, have the power to predict the future. As long as I'm praying those scriptural promises over the situation. Which leads to a question... For you, that, that's my little personal example there. I have others. What about you? What dry bones are you facing right now? What difficult situations, what, what barrenness, what brokenness, what, what damage, what relationships could you desperately do with the resurrection life power of God? Son of man, will you prophesy to those bones? Speak the word of the Lord to that dry valley. What about you? What are you facing? I'll tell you what we're going to do. I'm done, actually, pretty much. I'm going to, I'm going to invite you to stand. And um, as God said to Ezekiel, he said, he said, son of man, prophesy to the bones. And so what I'm going to suggest that we do, I'm going to suggest we do this in two parts, and this is going to involve perhaps a little bit of boldness for those of you who are feeling bold, is I'm going to suggest that just for the next, say, 30 seconds, I might extend a little bit, here's an opportunity to prophesy to your dry bones. I'm going to ask, well, Phil, Phil, come up and make some noise so people don't feel conscious about it. Please, if you don't mind, team, come, come do your thing. And, and what I'm going to suggest that you do, first of all, this is a personal thing, it is spend the next 30 seconds just prophesying to your dry bones. If you're bold, speak it out. If you're not so bold, you can whisper it under your breath. That's fine. About 30 seconds to prophesy over your dry bones. And then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it too. So just, just give us some little background music, if you don't mind. Let's, let's pray. Um, and in a second, I'll...
God, I'm going to do it on your behalf. Father God, I pray over every valley of dry bones that is being seen now in every eye of faith. Father, if we're honest, there's always woe is me. There's always mountains. There's always things that could do with reviving in our own souls, in our circumstance, in our relationships. relationships. And today, Lord, we want to say dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. We want to thank you so much, Lord, for all you have done in and through us. We thank you that we have been equipped and armed with your word. We thank you, Lord, that we are carriers and we are temples of your Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord, that you've said that your grace is more than sufficient and that your grace shines through, your strength shines through when we are weak. And as we look at all of those situations, Lord, we just pray the life and we pray the health and we pray the transforming power and breakthrough power and resurrection power of Jesus. Lord, we pray it over our homes and our families and our marriages and our relationships. Lord, we pray it over our workplaces, over our business meetings, over the things that we have to, we have to face and confront tomorrow. Lord, we pray it over our spiritual lives. Lord, would there be life where there has been death? Would there be passion where there's been uh, that kind of dull deadness? Lord, would there be direction where there's been directionlessness? Would there be hope where there's been hopelessness? Lord, would you shine your light upon your word and radiate it straight into our hearts that we might grow uh, and we might get it and catch it and understand it and walk in it and grow in it. Holy Spirit, you are the fire. Holy Spirit, you are the wind, the breath. You are the rain. You are the reviving one. And Lord, we pray right now that you would speak your life over all of our dry bones. And Lord, that you teach us these principles, Lord, as we we go forth. For some of us, me included, there's had to be a mild correction here. That it's so easy to to complain and to woe is me and to run it round on our heads and to overanalyze and imagine the worst and break out into criticism and all those ugly things. Lord, but you haven't told us to talk about our dry bones. You've told us to prophesy to them. God, I pray that you would imprint that principle on our spirits. That as we wake up tomorrow, as we, we step into our prayer closet, as we drive to work, whatever it is, wherever it is that we pray and we seek you, God, will we start to prophesy those promises of Scripture. Because if we know the seed we've planted, we know the harvest we're going to get. We have your word written upon our hearts. We have the very being of your spirit within us dry bones hear the word of the Lord and then folks in my in my imagining here I thought you know what about what about prophesying over our churches and you go to wonderful churches particularly if you go to this one you go to wonderful churches but you know what we need reviving we need the resurrection power of God we need the healing virtue 
of Jesus. We need an outpouring and an outbreak of His Spirit way beyond, way past what we've seen is what we need if we're going to do just a quarter of what God has put on our hearts. So I'd just like to invite you for a moment, if it's okay, let's just, let's just prophesy to those bones. Maybe they're half dry. Maybe they're half alive. Let's prophesy the life of God over our churches, shall we, folks? Father, we just pray that you breathe your breath upon your church. That you breathe your breath upon your church locally, nationally and internationally. Lord, we are well aware of what we can do in our own strength and it is singularly unimpressive. But we have a glimpse, an inkling of what you can do in your strength. And we, we prophesy to the wind as it were. We say, breath of God, come breathe life again upon this, this half alive body. And would you bring it fully to life? You're a God for whom nothing is impossible. Nothing is outside of your your reach. There is nothing that you cannot do. God, we need a breakthrough. We need need the, the soil fertility to change. We need the spiritual temperature to increase. We need blind eyes to open, physical and spiritual. We need a community who starts to cry out for the things of God and turns away from the, from the secular and the dry and in this time of difficulty politically people are asking questions and looking for hope God they're only going to get it from you and so Father we speak your life over your church Lord would you breathe your breath into us would you breathe your breath into every single one of us, would you breathe your breath into our church services? Would you, would you breathe your breath into our home groups? Would you breathe your breath into all of our ministries and all of our programs, all, all the things we do with our young people and our kids and our teenagers and our babies and our toddler groups? Would you, would you breathe your breath and life over all of our outreach programs and, and all the events that we have coming up? Lord, we need the life and the breath of God Almighty. God, there is no limit to your power. You are the God who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask, think, or imagine. And we've got a choice when we think about, about our church. We can, woe is me, we can find fault because there's plenty of it. Or we can make a decision, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do this rather differently. I'm going to flick a switch here. I'm going to change my tune. I'm going to start to prophesy the life and breath power and wisdom and inspiration of strength and strength of God Almighty over every aspect of our church life. Thank you, Lord. And just as Ezekiel saw those bones rattling and and starting to reattach and the, the muscles forming and the flesh and the skin, 
just as Ezekiel prophesied to the wind and saw you, God, breathe your breath in, into those skeletons until they came alive. And, and just as you breathed your breath over that ailing nation of Israel that was scattered in, in exile and brought it back to life and brought it back to strength. God, we pray that you do exactly that over our personal lives and over our relationships and over our spiritual lives and over our corporate lives. Come do it, Lord. Just one one last thought and then we'll perhaps have a bit of ministry time and then we'll be done. Uh, John 6, 63 in the old King James Version says, it is the spirit that quickeneth flesh profiteth nothing. Jesus said, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. And I love that, that word quickeneth in the Greek. It means, it means to make alive. It means to, to raise from the dead. It's the spirit that brings things to life. It's the spirit that makes things alive and revives things. It's the spirit that brings dead things, resurrects dead things. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. This is what He does. And I'd say for me, I'm sure the same for you, that, I, that I've tried the flesh. I've tried working harder. I've tried running faster. I've even tried shouting louder. But you know, that's the flesh. And John 6.63 says that the flesh profits nothing. It's the Spirit that gives life. What we need is the life-giving breath of the Holy Spirit. So the follow-up question, if the first question is what are you going to prophesy to the bones, son of man? Then the following follow-up question is what are you going to prophesy to the wind, son of man? Let, let me ask it like this. What, what is the breath that you need right now in your life what is the breath that you need what is the the dark corner of your soul if you like that needs a breath of fresh air what is it in your life that needs to be revived that that needs a boost that needs to be resuscitated hey it may even need to be resurrected Where do you need Holy Spirit breath?